The scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to continue reading the scripture for just a few more verses in Matthew chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Again, hear the word of the Lord. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the wise men left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the great ironies of New Year's Day is that we make resolutions to take greater control of our lives 
while at the same time we are standing on the precipice of the unknown. This is the year we pledge when we will take control of our health, our finances, our homes, or at least just our piles of clutter. Though I'd like to see how Marie Kondo is doing now that she has three small children, but I digress. <laughs> New Year's resolutions are a perfectly good thing, especially when we resolve to include spiritual practices in our lives, like reading something, even one verse of the Bible every day. Or if we resolve to invest in a friendship with at least one fellow Christian who can walk with us. Go for it. Resolve away, and I'll let you know when I graduate from gentle yoga class. In the meantime, despite the temptation of these lovely screens and the overlapping sermon and song titles, I can assure you that I have resolved not to show any clips from the movie Frozen 2 today. And parents, you'll know what I'm talking about and you can just thank me later. In all seriousness, resolutions and goals feel good, in part because they help us to chart a course through the days, weeks, and maybe even months ahead. It's the overall shape of the year ahead that may surprise us, try as we might to predict or to control it. Let's pray as we start this time together and ask God to guide us into the known revelation of his word and the unknown year ahead. So pray with me. God of eternity and God of the present moment, we stand on the precipice of a new year, seeking your wisdom and your will. We do not know what this year will hold, but we know that you are holding us. And that is enough. Today, as we consider the journey of the wise men into the unknown and the journey of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus into the unknown, please open our eyes to the gift of your word, which guided them and guides us still. We pray in the strong name of Jesus, the Savior you have revealed to us and to the world. Amen. Looking back for just a second, the pandemic of the past few years was an unexpected dose of humility for many people and institutions. Much that we thought we could predict, plan, or control went by the wayside. Events and programs and services that we thought were indispensable went by the wayside. Some of those things we've fought to bring back and others we've decided we can live without. But even if the pandemic continues to be somewhat manageable in the year ahead, January 1 is still a moment of staring into the unknown. Job changes happen, illness can strike, medical treatment can bring spectacular recovery or disappointing results. Perhaps you will retire, or meet the love of your life, or travel to a new place. Perhaps mortality will touch your family, or a baby will be born. 
Perhaps you'll find out about an overseas posting or deployment, or take on a new volunteer role that challenges and shapes you. And right now, some of you are thinking, nope, Donna, change is exactly what is not going to happen in my life in 2023. I'm going to stay where I live, slog through another year closer to retirement, try to keep the house plants and or the pets and or the kids alive, and I am very definitely unlikely to meet the love of my life. Thank you very much. Well, maybe. But don't forget that the landscape of the unknown is interior as well as exterior. And don't forget when it is some, that it is sometimes when we are the most settled that we can be the most surprised. At the very least, all of us here at NPC are likely to meet a new senior pastor in 2023. That person will be on a journey into the unknown, and we will go with them. He or she will bring gifts, and together we will seek to worship Jesus, the one who is both known to us and constantly surprising us. Which brings us back to the story of Jesus' early life in Matthew chapter 2. The journey of the wise men, the fear of King Herod, and the flight of Jesus' family into Egypt. Matthew's entire telling of the Christmas story is an intricately woven tapestry. Every detail is intentional, and every aspect of Jesus' early life is connected to the history of the people of Israel, to the scripture, and to the future work of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew is illuminating the journeys with the benefit of hindsight and foresight, knowing all that is to come in the story of Jesus. For example, have you ever noticed that Matthew's gospel ends with the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And here, at the very beginning of the gospel, the nations represented by the foreign Gentile wise men are drawn to Jesus. What happens in this Christmas story prefigures Jesus' later rejection by Jewish leaders and acceptance by Gentiles, opening up the family of God. So let's take a little closer look at the Magi, those mysterious visitors from the East who set off into the unknown and met Jesus. Scholars think the Magi may have been from Parthia, a powerful region at the time encompassing what we know as modern-day Iran and Iraq. Despite the compressed way we tell the story on Christmas Eve, it's likely that they traveled for a long time and arrived in Bethlehem when Jesus was around two years old. The Bible does not say that the Magi were kings, or even that there were three of them. The idea that there were three of them comes from the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it could have been a larger group. The detail Matthew chooses to emphasize is that they were astrologers. In the ancient world, astronomy and astrology were fused together. 
And these magi were likely Parthian court astrologers and magicians. In the gospel, the magi's worldview and their pagan practices were not meant to seem cool or romantic. They were anathema to godly faith. By geography, birth, religion, and profession, these magi were as far away from being part of God's family as anyone could imagine. And yet, God called them and led them into the presence of the true king and involved them in his story. The star was a gift to them, initiated by God, and it led them to the gift of Jesus Christ, also initiated by God. Their response was perfect. They fell down and worshipped him. In our tradition, the wise men are often portrayed as heroic figures because they were brave adventurers. And no one likes a story about brave adventurers and explorers more than we Americans do. It is amazing to think about what the Magi must have seen as they traveled across the ancient Near East. And it is amazing to think about what they were willing to risk in their quest when we are often willing to risk so little. But the important thing about the Magi is not that we're supposed to emulate their bravery or their get-up-and-go attitude. The important thing about the Magi is that God reached them before they reached him. The call on their pagan hearts and the star in the sky were God's grace. The fact that they made it safely all the way across deserts to a nondescript little home in a tiny village was God's grace. And the baby they saw was God's gift of pure grace for them and for the whole world. You know how when we're baptizing babies, we say that God's grace precedes faith? The fancy term for that is prevenient grace, grace that comes to a person before their faith blooms. Well, the wise men are an example of prevenient grace. God is the hero, the grace giver. The wise men are the grace receivers who respond in humility and faith and generosity. Their own heroics really come later when they resist the command of Herod to disclose the location of the child Jesus. Having met the true king, the political king lost his claim on them. What does this mean for us as we face the unknown? It means that we are not expected to be our own adventure heroes. It means that we are not expected to magically conjure up solid steel bravery in the face of daunting journeys. It means that God can reach us 
no matter how lost we are, and has already reached out to us when we are wandering, as our figurative camels stumble and our reserves run low. It means that our degenerate histories and delusions need not doom us if we will recognize the life-saving gift we have already been given. It means that we cannot and need not be our own guiding light because God has provided the light of the world and his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It means that if we seek him, we will eventually find him. Now it's interesting that King Herod was also standing on the precipice of the unknown and had the worst possible response. Herod was a regional ruler beholden to Rome, and he and his corrupt family were personally the reason that many people's lives were nasty, brutish, and short. Surprised by God in the events of Jesus' birth, Herod felt his own power and control threatened by the arrival of a new king. He had no openness to the word of God that the priests put right in front of him. And he had no willingness to go on a journey to Bethlehem or anywhere else. He was completely stuck in the present and his desire to control it. That posture was a destructive waste of time and energy. As I said before, Matthew intentionally crafted every detail of his gospel. So when it comes to Herod, his title is King Herod only at the very beginning of the story. Once the birth of the Messiah is mentioned, he is only referred to as Herod. A king is born, but a king was already here, and that king was about to be dethroned. So the birth of Jesus leads to ongoing conflict between the Messiah King and the kingdoms of this world. The conflict plays out immediately in Herod's thwarted plot to manipulate the wise men, in his desire to kill Jesus, and then in Herod's violent and extreme order to kill all the baby boys of Bethlehem. Later, the conflict plays out between Jesus and the powers of his day, leading to his crucifixion. It only takes a few minutes of immersion in the current news to know that Herod's response is human nature. The powers of this world do not mess around when their agendas and their control are threatened. And as much aversion as we may feel to violent extremes, the truth is that we do not take kindly to that which undermines our control or our perceived control over our lives. So I've been thinking lately, it's a little, little digression, but it's related here, that true monotheism is much more difficult than we think. We would all say that we're monotheists, right? But if we affirm 
the existence and even the benevolence of the one triune God paying lip service to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And at the same time, we refuse to dethrone ourselves as lords and arbiters of everything. Are we really monotheists? Or are we polytheists who want a nice God to coexist with our control? It's worth thinking about. So then we get to the last section of today's text, which is troubling and challenging. But it's not to be ignored if we're really to understand the whole Christmas story. After the wise men had been warned by God in a dream to go home by another way, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him, Get up, take the child Jesus and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. This was a terrifying event for the Holy Family and an even worse event for the people in the community of Bethlehem. Once again, Matthew is telling an important and real story about Jesus, but also connecting the dots between the whole biblical narrative. The history of the people of God includes sinful choices and the injustice and persecutions that flow from them. Children are killed. Families suffer. John the Baptist is killed. Eventually, Jesus the Messiah himself is betrayed and killed. The Exodus was the key liberating experience of the people of Israel. And now, along comes Jesus to lead a new Exodus from human captivity to sin and death. So Matthew wants us to notice parallels between the Holy Family's exile in Egypt and Israel's exile in Egypt. Herod is the new Pharaoh-like persecutor. And like Israel, the family goes to Egypt and comes back. Like Israel going through the waters of the Red Sea, Jesus goes through the water of baptism. Later, Israel was tested in the wilderness and Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Israel eventually made it to the promised land, and through Jesus' resurrection and return, believers reach an eternal promised land. But you know what? When Jesus was a toddler, and Mary and Joseph had to pack up a few belongings and flee in the dead of night, I seriously doubt that the meta-narrative was foremost on their minds. Survival would have been on their minds. They needed to reach Egyptian-controlled territory outside of Herod's territory. Did they speak Egyptian? No. Did Joseph have a job lined up? No. Would days of travel with a toddler be fun? No. Was this a safe journey? No. This was a refugee experience. Now, if anyone has ever told you that life with Jesus will be predictable, easy or convenient, I'm sorry, but they were wrong. Even Mary and Joseph 
and the child Jesus were called into the unknown. And so was everyone else close to Jesus in the Gospels. Think about the fact that everyone in the Christmas story, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, the innkeeper, the shepherds, the wise men, even Herod, was confronted with the unexpected, confronted with inconvenient circumstances and unpredictable consequences. Their loyalties were challenged, and their lives were completely reshaped. Today, each of us, on the precipice of the unknown, can expect a measure of the same. But what we learn from the biblical characters who step into the unknown is that the known goes before us and with us. When the wise men set out on their journey before they understood who God was or what was happening, God placed a call in their hearts and a sign in the sky. Given that they were pagan Gentiles, their call to be part of the story and to come into the presence of Emmanuel, God with us was pure grace. Later, God spoke to them through a dream and told them to take an unknown path out of Judea. Facing the unknown, we may wish for signs in the sky and dreams where God speaks clearly. And sometimes we may see them. But the revelation of his word is our primary light and our message in writing, available to us every single day. The word of scripture points us to the living word, Jesus Christ, and points us on our way. We are equipped with instructions about how to avoid death traps. And we're equipped with stories of people who have walked really hard roads. When Mary and Joseph had to flee, one thing we know is that the gifts brought by the wise men probably gave them the resources they needed to survive in exile. God was providing for their needs even before they knew it, even through others who had no idea how their gifts would confer blessings. And Joseph also was guided and heard direction from God in dreams. The known voice had spoken to Mary, and a known voice spoke into Joseph's life to guide him even in a strange and difficult place. Listen to the known voice speaking to you through the word and speaking to you when you pray. Most of all, we can face the unknown because we have a known Savior. With Matthew, we know the end of the story, and we know the risen Savior. We worship a God who wants to be seen and heard and known, a God who wants to speak and direct and guide if only we will pay attention. As we step into the unknown, 
the known Lord Jesus goes with us. This is Christ's Spirit in us and with us, even in the darkest and loneliest places on our journeys. He is the known God, leading us to safe, known destination, even by unknown paths. This year, if you want to resolve something, resolve to listen to his word. Resolve to trust him. And all will be well, even in the unknown. Let us pray. Light of the world, please light our unknown way. Free us from our fear and our worst instincts to control what we cannot control. Release our grip and open our hearts to your word. When we seek only convenient, easy, popular ways to follow you, please redirect us and assume full lordship of our lives. When we are driven far from where we want to be, hold us close and lead us home when the time is right. Please strengthen our resolve to listen to you and to do what is important to you. May the peace of our known Savior fill us and be with each of us in the hours and days, miles and journeys ahead. In the name of the known Savior, we pray. Amen.